0: Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping Dropping at the Movies I'm Mike And I'm José And today we're talking about Un Flic*. Un uh, flic. Which is French, in English, a cop And it's yes. um, Jean-Pierre Melville's final film, I think That's right Before he died from an untimely heart attack at 55, I think Alright, so younger than I am now <laughs> Wow, yeah. look after yourself um, well, you know, it's 1972 and it's a crime film he did an awful lot of crime films it stars Alain Delon as a, a policeman
1: and Catherine Deneuve who is she's got some close ups in this film with like these coral earrings like in the nightclub which I think have to be amongst the most beautiful I've ever seen I mean it rivals like Garbo or anyone like that I mean she's just astonishingly beautiful
0: yeah And uh, Richard Krenner as Simon, who is his criminal uh, adversary, who he's kind of trying to get a hold on throughout the film. And in some ways, it's a kind of, I would say, uh, work-a-day film. uh, That sounds uncharitable, but I mean, it's about the kind of... um, Mechanisms of crime on the one hand you know you see these two particular high sequences which are all about waiting for the kind of time to strike and building up to it and that kind of thing and on the other hand the police work is he's kind of on the trail of this guy but he's not uh, chasing him down alleys a lot of the time when you see the cop he's dealing with other crimes Mm. and he's also in the arms of Catherine Deneuve who is a woman that he and the criminal kind of share although they don't particularly know that
1: yes i think i think it's great actually and i've kind of misremembered it a little bit yeah so this is this is not the first time i've seen it i think it's maybe the third um and you know i've somehow remembered it as homophobic right mm. and then actually kind of seeing it again i think actually it's it's not it's quite tender it's quite tender about it, really. Yeah, I mean, particularly considering the time.
0: Mm.
1: Um, I love this film. I think it's great. It's not one of Melville's greatest, like Le Samurai, but uh, seeing it again, I mean, when you're talking about work a day, I think <laughs> it's kind of... I, th- I think it's minimalist. Yeah, that's and a better it way it. It brings up, you know, other things into it. But I think it's amazingly, like, beautiful... You know, and it captures like this mood, this melancholy. Like, you know, the whole film is done with a blue filter, and kind of blue in the film is the color of the night, the color of jazz, you know, the color of people kind of not quite connecting, of this underworld in which people have desires and feelings, but, you know, kind of there's almost like no connection really. And on on the one hand, the film is also quite accepting of. You know, these people who are forced to kind of live on the margins, right? Yeah, I kind mm. of. Um, yeah,
0: well, it, so it, it did occur to me that there was a, um, a sub, uh, kind of, not a plot, but a sub aspect to the film uh, that has to do with um, gay people and transgender people. There are two particular characters who show up. There's a an informant that the cop uses uh, who is transgender, yes. uh, or at least kind of cross dresser. Um,
1: no, she's a transvestite, according to yeah. Because yeah. you know, when he thinks he, she's given him the wrong information, she said, "No more dressing up as a woman for you." <laughs> right? Yeah, like, that's right. Yeah. yeah.
0: And he said, so, and then he says, he says to the cops, "Take this thing away." You know, so he, can, yes. he can kind of lashes, and he hits her as well. I mean, he lashes out literally, um, kind of literally and and verbally, he lashes out at her.
1: And the film is very interesting because you can see that the transsexual or transgender person is clearly in love with the uh, Alain Delon character yeah Mm. you can see it in those glances Mm. and actually there's even a suggestion that there might have been something between them yeah Mm. i mean the film doesn't say it you know but there is something about the glances between them you know kind of at the very beginning and a kind of I don't know, a tenderness between them, yeah? Kind of, yeah, when she comes to inform in the car, yeah? Yeah. That kind of suggests something. It doesn't say it, but it suggests
0: it. Do you think the film is setting him up as someone whose masculinity is being questioned by this?
1: Uh, No, I think the film is just kind of... It's set in an underworld where um, things are more fluid because they're more... People are forced to live on the ground. I mean, you know, so on the one hand, the film begins with the robbery, right? Mm. You know, but almost the first time you see Delon is, you know, this older gay man who's with a hustler, and the guy's hustling him because he's just about to turn 18, and it's actually a criminal offense to have sex with a minor. So, you know, the, 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 the minor is trying... To hustle the old man out of a really valuable art object, a sculpture, mm. right? And the old man calls the police, which would have been, you know, an unusual thing to do because in fact he is committing a crime.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like he's he's had he's got this kid back to his room and
1: they are together. That's right. And what you see is Delon charging the blackmailer and letting the old gay man off the hook. Mm. Yeah, and there's this very interesting thing where they say, oh, it's not your offence, your offence, you know, you won't be charged for a f- first offence or something. You know, you'll only be charged if it's a repeat offence. And he says something like, well, there are always repeat offences. I He's gay, so, you know, you will be yeah. with another man, <laughs> right? So, um, and actually, I think that sets the tone for the film, and it's a very interesting parallelism with the very ending of the film, because, you know, what you've seen, and so... So, Alain Delon is having a relationship with Catherine Deneuve, who ends up being the villain's mistress, right? And she's a murderess. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we see her commit a murder, right? And at the end, he lets her off the hook. Yeah. Because he's got feelings for her. Mm. Yeah, even though he knew. That she was the mistress of the other guy, and they were just fooling around every so often together right yeah so yeah it's kind of in a way a noir romance of of that type yeah where kind of you know love is always complicated it's always partial it's always under yeah underground it might be a sexual compulsion, but you know there's no yeah, yeah full uh commitment or connection yeah it's always like on the side or yeah yeah I mean I think the film is so is so interesting in that way yeah?
0: well there's a there's a real uh, streak of bleakness to the film, and it comes through in that yes. blue filter as you say, and I think the opening scene as well that, that robbery it's in the middle of nowhere they're at the seaside somewhere and it's foggy and bleak and quiet and these um uh, the the team of four thieves. Uh, kind of get their masks on and they queue up and it's as I said it's all about waiting they're not it's not a kind of exciting it's not a kind of thrilling thing they're just waiting for their moment and everything it's like a clockwork thing of just waiting for the things to fall into place for the moment to happen and then of course something goes wrong and the guy mentions to call the police so uh, you know, your classic sort of noir things go wrong and things kind of spiral from there um, and someone dies as well they shoot the um, uh, the clerk behind the counter and then after that you cut to. Alain Delon the police officer mm. and he's in the back of a car and I think his first line of dialogue actually I took a screenshot of it I put it on Twitter my day's work began just before nightfall he says in voiceover mm. you know which is, I mean I work nights and imagine if I said something like that I'd sound so cool and dispossessed <laughs> you, you know.
1: French existentialist <laughs> yeah exactly there is that, that thing where, like there's something very very French
0: about it it's just being dispossessed and he's got a real misanthropic streak to him the film opens with a um a, uh, let me just get it up. The film opens with a, a sort of epigraph on yes. screen from uh, Eugène-Francois Vidoc. The only feelings mankind has ever inspired in policemen are those of indifference and derision. And I think he says this at one point in the film as well, the cop. Yes, So he he's someone who's kind of tired of people and tired of life.
1: But well, who's seen the worst of people. Yeah. Yeah, Who who only sees the drug dealers and the pimps and the and the criminals yeah yeah which is both a, a negative but it's also a plus
0: so there's something that I found kind of difficult about him I suppose in empathizing with him because uh, I suppose it, it seemed to me there was nothing this character wanted you know okay he kind of he wants the woman but in a really muted kind of way he doesn't really pursue her he just kind of spends time with her. And he he prosecutes the criminals. and He tries to chase them down. But again, it's there's something lackadaisical about it. Um, he's not kind of knocking things down to go and get them. No. I kind of had trouble with that. There's a feeling to his job, which is going through the motions.
1: Um, but you see, that's what I like most about the film. Mm. That it's it's so you know part of the way that it's framed and the way that it's shot is almost like kind of alienated yeah mm. it's kind of you know somebody who's not connected to the world he lives in you get the feeling that like his job is well that we only ever see him do his job
0: yeah. you know
1: except for that um you know sexual compulsion the sex game that he plays with the catherine deneuve character where you know it is actually a sex game right he comes mm. to arrest her and you know she takes his gun and so on um so there's a kind of a desire, uh, but actually there's nothing else in his life that we see except crime solving, which he's clearly very good at. Mm. Yeah, But the film, I think, is also a wonderful heist film. You know, the whole thing in the train with mm. the helicopter overhead, which again is very minimalist. You know, it's not Tom Cruise. In Mission Impossible. <laughs> no. Well, actually, you can see that that's where they stole the idea.
0: Yeah, it's totally an influence, isn't it? The, the, the helicopter yeah. chasing the train and then trying to steal something on the train.
1: That's right. It hadn't occurred to me until now, but, you know, it, it clearly is. Yeah. You know.
0: Although the effects are a little bit better in Mission Impossible. I mean, I know, it's, again, it might be being uncharitable, but the shots, the external shots of the train and the plane are so transparently kind of t- tabletop models. It's quite distracting, I found
1: well but yet you see to me that depends on what are the intended effects okay you see so you know the intended effect is to get your blood pulsing then obviously mission impossible the brian De palm is better you know but i think a flick is intending something different i think in this film i think you're you are also meant to find it exciting and interesting and so on but there's a lot more attention to the how the thing is done, right? So you know the key, the magnet to open the door, the entire removal of the suit, the putting on the other suit, the washing of the hair, yeah, right? and mm. so on. Like you see every step of the process, right? And in a very enclosed space, you often see have space around these characters, yeah. Mm. So so this feeling of like of someone alone. And alienated, yeah, hmm. is is remains throughout the film. I think even in those bits, you know, which are meant to be exciting, there's a helicopter overhead and a yeah. crime is going to be committed, committed, and so on.
0: I would say in Mission Impossible, it's it's certainly the case still that every action. Is is shown to you and important, and every bit of information you have makes a difference. I think it's a really well built high scene in that too. What's going on in training mm. Mission Impossible? Oh, it's a great film, um, Mission
1: Impossible. But the but it's a very different kind of film.
0: Yeah, I think the difference is not in exactly in how it's shown, but what is what the action actually is. In Mission Impossible, it's this thing about masks and there's various teams of people on the train, and also the helicopter behind is a much more exciting thing, and they go into the tunnel and that's just mad. Um, in this, you spend so much time rather like i said i think with the bank robbery at the start um you they spend all this time waiting to to perform the action in this on the uh train it's all about getting into character putting the robe on making it look like he's one of the passengers because actually the heist which is he's stealing a suitcase full of heroin or a couple of suitcases full of heroin is takes hardly any time at all. He chloroforms a guy, steals the stuff, manages to hook it up to the plane, get winched up and he's gone. So, and there are elements of that which are supposed to be exciting. I think when he's getting winched up and stuff like it's supposed to be, supposed to be getting the heart pumping. But, but the, the kind of central part of the heist, taking the stuff, happens in about five seconds flat. It's all about the building up to it and the mechanisms of, of kind of getting the situation right for that burst of action. That, I think, would be the kind of... That's what I would draw on as the central difference between that and Mission Impossible's train scene, where in the train scene in Mission Impossible, it's all happening all the time.
1: Yes. I mean, you know, I think this is a film about alienation. It's, it's, you know, the opening title that you said, you know, is what the film's about. Yeah, it's about uh, a person whose only contact with people is that which elicits indifference or contempt. <laughs> mm. Do you, <laughs> you think know, then,
0: do you think that the cop changes between the beginning and the end of the film?
1: Yes, a little bit in the sense that, um, well, you can see the sadness, yeah? In, yeah the, the, so the last shot is Alain Delon and his partner and the camera just stays there and stays there and stays there, you know, on their faces, right? So I think, um, I mean, I I imagine you can read whatever you want into it, but what I read, you know, was this sadness, yeah? So, you know, he might know or he might feel at the beginning of the film just indifference and contempt for people, you know, but at least he had a sexual partner. So now he's indifferent and contemptuous and and alone, (laughs) yeah, with only his job. So um
0: I suppose what I'm asking
1: is is do you
0: think that if the film starts off with this with this like I say this epigraph that speaks of um alienation and seeing the worst in people and and you get this sense of him being kind of tired of people or misanthropic is that something then that he he finds something that to
1: like in people I I don't think he's misanthropic okay. I think you know because i you don't get the feeling that he hates the world in fact in some ways he seems quite at ease in it but just alienated right so you know so for example the first scenes where he goes into the nightclub you know and kind of you almost got the feeling that is there yeah that they all know about each other mm-hmm. right so he's in this nightclub you know, the, the nightclub owner has a mistress. He's having an affair with the mistress. Presumably, yeah, kind of everybody knows about everybody else. Actually, I think Catherine Deneuve says that. And he, he's happy to, to talk to that person and so on. So I don't think he's misanthropic. I just think uh, he's seen the worst that society has to offer. And at the end of the film, <laughs> you know, even his low expectations are confirmed. And and you end up with a kind of a sadness. You know, it's, it, it, yeah, it it ends up yeah as a kind of though though the film. You know, I don't want to give the wrong impression because I find it very glamorous, right? Mm. I mean, the the long is so beautiful, you know, and uh, Catherine Deneuve is like you know beyond beautiful, really. Um, so so it seems like
0: a small part for her. I mean, she was she was a big star by this point,
1: didn't it, wasn't she? Oh yeah, she was a huge
0: star. This seems like a small part for it. Would it be just the working with Melville because he was so respected? You know.
1: Yes, I mean, I don't I don't know the background to the film, uh, but she was as big a star as Delon, though Delon had worked with him previously in two films, the the Red Circle, which we must watch now because it's also another heist film. And uh, um, Le Samurai, which is, you know, one of my favorite films of all time, actually, hmm. where he plays a gangster. So it's the opposite of this. So, but I think it is her only time working with with him. Uh, but she's given a huge star entrance. Yeah. Right? Like, you see her from the back in a corner, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and then she turns around. That's cool, Captain Deneuve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but, but also, I mean, let's talk about, you know the shots because he's got this very interesting way of filming where you know he always uses this wide angle lens but it's almost like all broken up into spaces so it's always through corridors through glass yeah kind of the whole scenes in the police station i think they're fantastic right mm. um you know so the way that he breaks up those spaces and he often uses a zoom along with like you know kind of the camera traveling backwards they have to kind of create rushes and effects and you know the zoom to bring your attention to p- kind of particular things as well as creating a sense of movement and excitement i mean i think it's really quite amazing
0: and when he's building up it's, it's the editing pattern as well when he's building up to those bursts of action you get kind of repeated shots of a certain thing it's just you get this kind of status and it will be a shot and then you return to the same character standing in the same place or the same object in the same place and it's just waiting and waiting and waiting and the fact that you go away from the thing and come back to it emphasizes that mm-hmm. yeah and then yeah, and then I mean, something finally moves and
1: it's also very interesting so a couple of things that i noticed in this viewing structurally there are three blondes right mm-hmm. one is the femme fatale one is the bourgeois housewife who doesn't know but might suspect, you know, that her bank manager husband is now a crook. And the other one is we don't know whether it's a transvestite or transsexual, yeah, but you know, someone yeah.
0: Someone living between between established genders, shall we say?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So that's very interesting. And you know, the film is nineteen seventy-two. Right. So one is bourgeois responsibility, the other one is this underworld figure, and you know, uh Gabi, you know, the transvestite or transsexual is someone who's who's really not allowed to be at all, yeah. Mm.
0: Well someone someone who is I'd say someone who is allowed to be just by the whim of the people in power. You know, he like he yes. allows her to be who she is and express who she is until she upsets him and then she's a yes. thing. Take this thing away.
1: Yeah exactly yeah Um, and then the other thing that also struck me is that there are two suicides yeah Yeah. there's a
0: it's one of the accomplices when he sees the police bearing down on him at the end shoots himself
1: he shoots himself and then the final one is I think the loan says it's suicide by cop i.e. after he's told not to move he goes to reach for you know well he
0: just reaches into his coat
1: yeah you know, like wanting to die because actually he's had nothing there, right, mm. so uh I thought that was that was kind of very uh interesting yeah. as well
0: well, I suppose I kind of had trouble with with the um criminal leader, Simon, who commits suicide by cop um in the same way that I had a problem with the cop, which is again i kind of I kind of didn't know what he wants and that and again, there doesn't seem to be any joy taken in his job. You'd think that the thrill of stealing heroin on a train, having a bank robbery, you know, winching up on a helicopter, you think that would be thrilling, that would be a rush. Um, yes. And you, I don't think you get any feeling of that from him at all. Um, yes. I, I mean, sure. So in the moment, you maybe wouldn't expect that, he's doing a job and he has to do it right, so you wouldn't expect him to be going, woo. But um, outside of that, you, you don't feel like he lives for this. You know?
1: Yes. Well... But clearly they do, because it's the only thing that they've got going in their life.
0: Yeah, but that's like, most, that, well, then it's the question of, you know, do they do it to live, or do they live to do it? It doesn't feel like he lives to do it. He does it because he can, and he's good at it.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I mean, I think, well, for me, you know, we're looking in the wrong direction, because what I really love is the film sadness. Yeah. You know, it's it's... I mean, I can't think of anybody other than Melville, who makes cop films... With the idea of just conveying this kind of exquisite melancholy, you know, and that's what these films do. You know, they don't pump you up. You know, it's not really about resolving the crime. You know, it's almost about evoking a kind of sadness at the way the world is.
0: Mm. Well, no, that's certainly true in these two characters. I mean, I guess I'm I'm expressing it as though it's a problem. It's only it's only a problem insofar as I had trouble getting into their, you know, sort of. Sensibility, but I, I mean, I think yeah. it's it is it's designed to express this melancholy, yeah. this sadness. You know, it's not like a mistake that they are the way they are. Um, yeah. And I think it's kind of interesting. Like I, th- I, you know, I do think it's interesting that these two characters are both so kind of dispossessed. One much more clearly than the other. But you know, like I say that the criminal doesn't seem to find joy or meaning or anything like that in, in what he does. He mm. does it because it's what he does. There's something mechanical about that just as there's something mechanical about the way that the cop goes about his work. And then the other kind of main character, um, Catherine Deneuve character, uh, winds up unhappy as well at the end. Mm. And she's probably had the most... She's pro- You've probably seen the most joy out of her during the film. Yeah. Um, and then she loses the man she's with. It seems pretty clear that she and Alan Delon are not...
1: Going anywhere. No, but you see, it's also a very radical ending because the only murder that we see in the film is the one committed by her. Yes. And yet. She oh, no,
0: um, you off. see the the guy shoot. Didn't Simon shoot the clerk at the start, like I said? I think that's a murder you see committed.
1: Oh, I'm not sure now. Uh, I think so.
0: Because it's okay, in Part of the Heist Gone Wrong. But, but, you, but it's true that she, her, the murder she commits is a central one.
1: Yes. Uh, and, and she's let off scot-free. Yes. So the film has this thing about also... I mean, she's a grifter. She's a very cool grifter. You know, she's working in nightclubs. Yeah. She's with the rich owner of the nightclub. Uh, she's involved in the crimes. Right. Uh, again, kind of quite impassive. You know, but we see her murder someone in cold blood, Mm. right? Uh, And then she gets off, you know, kind of. Yeah. That's just the way the world is, you know. People, evil people (laughs) kind of get off scot-free, which is really unusual, right? I mean, it's it's really quite something. And it's done out of feeling. So, you, you know, we think we don't see Alain Delon feel anything, but the only reason he lets her off is because of whatever feelings he might have for her.
0: Yeah, so like he's not exactly hard-boiled, is he? Um, he, lets his fe- he lets his feelings speak through his actions.
1: That's right. So underneath this impassive face, you get a feeling of other things going on through what he does.
0: Hmm. Also, when he's playing the piano in the bar plays the piano in the bar when, when she has her entrance, I think, and the cigarettes hanging out his mouth, it looks so French. But that piece is yes. so full of feeling. And then he shares a, right. she has a glance with her and they smile at each other and, you know, there's, there's affection there and feeling that and a sense of humour between them as well.
1: Yes. I mean, that's lovely, actually. That's, yes, important. I'd forgotten about that. Uh, and also the same thing with the transvestite, you know, mm. because he hits her, he calls her a thing, but then the cop says, shall I take her to the cell? You know, and she goes, no, take her out. And they just kind of show her the door. Yeah, so she goes back, right? Like, you know, yeah. And again, that's at his discretion. Mm. So actually, you know, there is feeling underneath, yeah?
0: Yeah, or I should say, not throw her out, throw it out.
1: Throw it out. But nonetheless, (laughs) you know, the implication is that she's going to go into the cell for six months. That's what he tells her. Mm. And in fact, you know, he then tells the policeman, no, just show her out. Yeah. Yeah. Out of the building, as opposed to... Yeah, into a cell. So I thought those things are very kind of telling. And cumulatively, they do kind of build up this world of feeling and loneliness and sadness and, Hmm. you know, kind of... I I really love that about Melville. Uh, uh, But also, in a certain way, kind of people doing their jobs, right? So the cop is doing his thing. The criminals are doing their thing. Yeah, there is also something about, you know, doing your job or your duty or yeah I mean I suppose this will come out more uh you know if we if we see Army of Shadows which is superb you know it's about occupied Paris right and, and people in the resistance um, so uh yeah I kind of I yeah I love that um, good yeah so for me this was a very pleasant uh revision you know because I've somehow had in mind, you know that there were these queer characters in the film and that their treatment was was homophobic. And this time, I saw it in quite a different light. I saw a kind of a sympathy and an understanding that, you know, yeah. So yeah. so it 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 makes the film even better for me
0: now. I can understand why you would have responded to it as homophobic um, back when you first saw it, and I I think the kind of the the slight homophobia. Um, or transphobia that the um, main character expresses at one point is, you know, it's 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 a violent reaction. And I think that's why I said, you know, is this about his masculinity being attacked in some respect, and him having to kind of prove himself. And I'm not entirely sure that it is. I think it is quite a masculine reaction to lash out at who someone is, or what someone is. When, yes. you know, in response to something. But it's not about him like, it's not about saying, oh underneath it all, he is Deeply bigoted. Um, it is kind of. Oh no! Uh, and, yeah. and then, and then that moment with, with the the young man and the old man um, together in the flat. Actually, you know, it, it shows he 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 exercises kind of, to some degree, understanding. Um, yes. Yeah. He does, like you can imagine in a much more homophobic film it would be revulsion, that kind of thing, and it's
1: particularly, not particularly particularly of this time. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, yeah, I I, I kind of I've changed my mind about it. I like it even more.
0: Yeah. So we should say um that this is part of a Melville uh string of films on movie. Um yes. they've they've just shown we've missed them, Bob Le and uh, Leon Moran Priest. Um yes. those are no longer on it. Uh this is still on it for another three weeks or so and flick. There's also Le Serp Rouge, which I think we should watch. You suggested it. Yeah. And Army of Shadows, which again, you want to watch. And the other one, which I don't think either of us seems too interested in, is Le Doulot. Oh, Le
1: Doulot is wonderful, yeah. I love Le Doulot as well. So, I highly recommend this cycle uh, to everyone. Uh, Melville is one of the great French directors. He's been an enormous influence. I mean, we talked about you know, Mission Impossible and, that, you know, that scene with the with the helicopter. But, you know, uh, Tarantino has spoken of him, you know, as a great influence on his films as well, you know, and I'm sure there are many, many more. Yeah,
0: yeah well, just in the description that um, MUBI has provided in Le Cirque Rouge, Jean-Pierre Melville's star-studded heist film is the peak of the director's ritualistic, nearly fetishistic peon to cops and robbers influencing everyone from Michael Mann to Johnny Toe many many directors yeah. have been influenced by this guy yeah. and it's the first film of his that I've seen I think so you know, interesting introduction I'm looking forward to seeing the rest
1: Great, uh, so thank you very much for listening, we are eavesdropping at the movies and we are on
0: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Soundcloud and YouTube, on social media we're on Facebook and Twitter at eavesdropmovies and the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com
1: Thank you very much <laughs>